I married my mother. I married someone that was very, very dominating, very verbally abusive, very uh, condescending, you know, all those things. And I stayed with it so long because it was so familiar. I knew how to deal with that, even though it was something that I shouldn't had shouldn't have ever had to deal with. I knew how to mentally compartmentalize their the the behavior, the energy that she was giving to me because that's what I grew up with. So it was it felt normal. Aloha, beautiful people. I am the intuitive coach and I gave birth to this podcast because of my intuition who has a powerful voice and asked me to remember and embrace my essence. We are all love and light and for each of us to shine at our brightest, we must explore the depths of our darkness. When you rediscover your essence, we all heal an aspect of ourselves. So remember to always shine your light unapologetically. Aloha, beautiful people, and welcome to a new episode of my Shine Your Light Unapologetically podcast. Today's guest is Belton Cooper II. I absolutely love him. And instead of actually going through an introduction about him, I'm going to offer him the floor so he can go on about who is Belton Cooper. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. First off, I want to thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. And, um, uh, so everybody knows this is my first ever, so this is going to be very interesting, and I, I'm honored. I am honored and, and thankful that you gave me this chance so much, so much. Um, Grateful you it, accepted it. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Um, I said, my name is Delton Cooper. I'm, um, so I'm a 15-year-old male. I live in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, in the USA. Uh, I am a certified life coach. I'm also a certified Reiki practitioner. I come from a past of a challenging childhood through uh, teenage years into adult years. And now I'm coming into my own where I want to offer uh, help and guidance to others who may be in need of reassurance or just in need of a, a helpful word or just knowing someone cares and is willing to help beautiful thank you thank you thank you for the introduction and as always Delton you know my podcast is about souls who have been struggling a lot and thought that mm -hmm. everything happened to them they were in victim mode or at least they had such a challenging rock bottom that eventually the light within had to crack open that case of shadows that we are hiding behind because there are fears and uh, doubts and so many other emotions of a low vibration that surround the beauty, the brilliance of our light that we are hence. If you could kindly share your rock bottom or anything in your life 
that you see, you saw as a trauma, and yet there was such a powerful lesson for you to learn from and learn, first of all, how to shine bright, like the diamond you are. Yes, 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 I know. Diamonds don't shine. A <laughs> 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 science lesson. There we go. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yet you got from where you were from that dark hour, which or hours, dark night of your soul or night, because I'm sure there might have been many more, not just one. But which was the one that shook you so hard that you have finally started taking action to shine your light unapologetically. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for that question. I mean, it, to lead up to that point, I have to kind of uh, lay the history and kind of my history with um, growing up in an environment of trauma or challenge or which, however you want to face it, or whatever you want to label it. Uh, at a young age, I I was a victim of several forms of abuse, uh, mental, physical, um, sexual as well, and it was um, it was probably from the age of about seven or eight to about thirteen or fourteen, where it was that good solid year where all three of these things were going on simultaneously in my childhood at the most formative years of my life as I as I learned as I got older that that was the time where my character and my you know my views on life and all that was being formed but at that point in my life I was going through um, an abusive mother I'm very uh, physically and mentally abusive uh, and then I had another another part of my family where I would go visit from time to time. And that's where the other abuse occurred. And then um, as I went to school, I went to a very, very demanding private school that it was very, very goal oriented. Everybody had to be perfect. And it was kind of a almost um, like I have a best friend of mine that we still talk to today. I've been known since fourth grade. And me and him look back and say that that the schooling itself kind of, you know, screwed us up a little bit because it made us perfectionists to the point where we couldn't accept normal, everyday imperfections in ourselves. So all this is going on at the same time. So as I go to got older, and I'm I'm kind of speeding through all of it, um, as I got older. As I became a teenager and got into high school, uh, I remember my last year of the private school. I was such a <laughs> I was such a disruptive student in the school, um, but they kept me in the school because my my test scores were so high. I actually helped their their average as far as like state testing and how to get their scholarships or grants or whatever. So they kept me because of my my intellect, but I was always kind of pushed to the side because of my behavior. So as I graduated from grade school, my mother just kind of just gave up on me. And she was like, you know what? I'm not spending any more money on you. I'm going to send you to public school. So as I went to public, from private school to public school, it was it was kind of a, a, a traumatic uh, event. 
And then around the same time, my, my grandmother passed, who was the one person in my life that provided all my love and all my grounding. She passed away when I was 16. And I remember after she passed, mentally, I just kind of just gave up on any sort of connections, any sort of love, any sort of um, hope for a future. And I remember when she passed, I honestly believed in my heart that because of what I was doing and where I was living, that I would not live to see 18. I honestly believed that. And when I hit 18, I never believed I'd make it to see 21 because of the life I was living and the um, and the things that I was involved in. So as I got older and I got in the wrong crowd with the wrong people and kind of wasted, well, not wasted, I, I had an experience through those years that I take with me to this day. So it wasn't a waste. As I got older, got out of high school, I started living different lives. And then I got into uh, party promotions where I was a promoter. Where I was promoting parties all over town. And that was fun. And I was having, I mean, like the time of my life. You know, I was actually making legal money and a lot of it and having fun and parties every day. And it, it was a good life. And then I met my first wife. And we were, we were together for 12 years. Um, 10 were great. The last two were horrible. And that was the moment when everything shifted for me because I had three kids that I loved very much. And through the divorce, I was basically separated from my kids. And since my grandmother had passed, those were the, the only three people I knew that had unconditional love for me. So once they were taken out of my life, I, I literally had a mental breakdown where I ended up in the hospital for a few days. And that's what started my treatment into my, my mental health. And once I started that journey, I, I didn't realize how much trauma I'd been through and how much help I actually needed. I didn't realize I needed that much help, but I needed a lot. And so I went through all the medications and the, and the therapy and the sessions. And, and, and then as I was going through that, it, it was a, a moment toward the end of it, or I shouldn't say the end of it, when I, when I was coming, coming off the meds and, you know, the, the therapy was spaced out to, you know, once every two months, you know, you know, the routine where you're doing every week in the beginning, then they stretch it out to every couple of weeks. And then it's every couple of, so I was getting to that point. And, then I started having a spiritual awakening where I started learning about my spirituality and who I was and uh, where we come from as a, as a race, as a, as a people. And that led to me learning that we all have a path in life. We all have a, a journey to walk and there is a purpose behind all of it. And I think without that, divorce and without that heartbreak and that that mental break at that moment i never would have got to the point where i got low enough where i realized i needed help so that divorce actually helped me more than i realized in the moment and, and even as i talk about it in this moment i'm realizing it helped me a lot more than i even realized at the time it put me on a path to be where i am now which is in a position where I can talk about my past traumas and convey those in a way that people can connect with and understand. And for them to know that if you're going through something, just ask for help, get help. Don't wait until it knocks you down 
to your hands and knees before you get help. And that's kind of the message that I want to portray to the world is it's okay to ask for help. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. It feels like it's a message that has to be repeated countless times for everyone to actually embody, at least integrate it into their daily lives. Because what I came to realize and believe is we were so very conditioned as children, and so were you, through different modalities by the persons that you held in high regard or you trusted. Now that system of beliefs and values is being challenged because well, why, why, why isn't it like this? Why do I have to do things differently? I was taught that this level of perfectionism is the one that is, is, is accepted. I had to belong. We all had that to a certain point. I actually want to go a bit deeper into your divorce was the stepping stone for you to take off pretty much. It was a powerful milestone for you. It was the hammer that broke, cracked that darkness. Your light was shrouded in. And you allowed that light to pour bit by bit until now when you are still a work in progress. I just would love to go a, a little bit into what do you really and truly believe that this divorce held for you? What do you believe that this divorce brought for you? Why are you grateful for it? And why were you resentful at first? At first, I was resentful because it took my my kids away. You know, it, it took away that, that unconditional love that I'd been looking for, you know, all my life. You know, since my grandmother passed, you know, I, that's what I was looking for. And it took... And I felt, uh, I guess, cheated or betrayed or, you know, it, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair because I wasn't the one messing up in the marriage. And, you know, at the time I thought that, but I look back now and it was, it was, it was a little bit, of, it was a little bit of both of us. You know, it was, she do something, I do something, you know, and it was that, I think um, the good thing that I learned from it was that I had been fooling myself for quite a while about that marriage, about that relationship. And I had, uh, and it made me realize how much, how many other things in my life I had been just agreeing to, just going along with, not wanting to rock the boat. And then that came to a realization that the stereotypical analogy, I married my mother. I married someone that was very, very dominating, very verbally abusive, very, uh, condescending, you know, all those things. And I stayed with it so long because it was so familiar. I knew how to deal with that, even though it was something that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have ever had to deal with. I knew how to mentally compartmentalize the, the, the behavior, the energy that she was giving to me because that's what I grew up with. So it, was, it felt normal. But after the the, the divorce and I started really analyzing my my childhood and how it affected my relationships 
on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it, it, uh, through therapy, I learned that it affected almost every single waking moment of my life. You know, all my decisions were based on things that I had learned or things that I was trying to avoid or uh, just, it was just learned behavior from my childhood that I'd carried on to an adult, which made this relationship acceptable at the time. As, as I came out of it and learned more and more about, you know, loving myself and not looking forward in someone else, it, it, it opened up so much more. It opened up so many more opportunities. You know, I met my I met my new wife, who's who's lovely. I mean, just totally, totally opposite than from anybody I've ever been in a, been in a relationship with. But it, it took me fixing myself and realizing what I was looking for. Because even as a as a, a a teenager and a young adult, all my friends would say that I always dated the mean girls. They said, why are your girlfriends always so mean? You like the mean ones. And I was like, yeah, I like the mean ones. I like the mean ones. But through that divorce and through that mental break and through the therapy and through the the, the, the talk therapy and through the, you know, the realizations and the insights and the aha moments, I realized that I dated those type of women because they were comfortable, because they were familiar, not because they made me happy, not because they showed me love, not because that they uh, added any value to my life. I was just comfortable with that, with that energy. And once I broke that, I met the most beautiful, kind woman. She is so totally, I've never dated, I've never dated a woman like that. So I had to marry her. So. <laughs> you had to marry her. <laughs> I had to. That's the first nice girl that ever liked me. So yes, I had to. <laughs> Other than yourself. Yes. Now you're like. Other yourself. than myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the mean girls and the nice girls and stuff. So yeah. So. Well, I actually love this uh, this perception that you have on um, mean girls, good girls, and the way you yourself saw as being mean towards yourself through them and the pattern of familiarity that you kept on uh, permeating, that kept permeating your life because of the familiarity feeling it would exude. Yes. It's unbelievable. And actually, I would love to ask about these patterns of familiarity when you get complacent about Mm -hmm. anything, not just this, anything at all. What do you do to get out of it? What is the first step you take towards coming out of a place that keeps you stuck in a pattern that is so familiar it gives you that level of comfort that you prefer to stay there paralyzed by the fear of moving forward the very first step that i'll tell anybody the first step that has to happen is you have to realize that it's a condition you don't want to be in and you have to accept that you're in this condition because of your choices and then you can take the next next step and ask yourself, why am I making these choices? And that's when the discovery and the unfolding happens. But at first, you have to realize that you don't want to feel like this anymore. Or you don't want to be in this place anymore. Or you don't want to deal with this energy anymore. And then you realize, okay, well, this isn't the first time I've dealt with this energy. This is uh, This is familiar to me, but I don't like it. And I think that's the statement that has to happen in someone's mind for them to make that change to realize this keeps happening and I don't like it. Then 
why does it keep happening? And then from there, you 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 start reverse engineering the problem. That's the best way I can put it. You, you have to reverse engineer your your thought patterns, the ones you don't want. Sometimes you have to start from where you're at and kind of work backwards. Like, why does this feel familiar? Why am I okay with you know being talked to wrong? Or why is it okay for her to walk around the house with an attitude for two or three days? And why is it why is why is it okay for people to to say certain things, or why is it okay for people to treat me certain ways? When did this become okay? And, and when you get to that point of when did this become okay, okay, that also is another step of helping you kind of unravel it. And it's always, from my own personal experience, it's always some minute, tiny detail that catches your attention and can change the whole thing. But you have to ask yourself those questions. Thank you for, for, for sharing this. Um... From this place, where you also talked about abusive patterns, it's another um, subject I would love to, to tackle a little bit in more depth, because the abusive patterns we keep on perpetuating, of course, in our relationships, start either from our parents or from the entourage we have in childhood it's always about going back to the childhood is it because up until six years old we are this sponge of children that everything we see we just absorb and we don't really have filters for it so we just spur it back unfiltered thinking that that's the right way and then we create a belief system based on those experiences we've had. And then that's how we create patterns that keep us stuck. And in your case, this abusive pattern that you have had and the moment you lost your footing with your grandma's passing, that actually took your grounding away. That actually shook your foundation to the core because it was someone who you loved and you saw as an external source of love and you focused on her to reflect that back to you regardless of circumstances. When do you believe you started perpetuating these abusive patterns in your relationship? And what was the moment when you said no more? <sighs> I think the, the, the pattern started early on. It started early as a kid. I mean, I think when you first uh, get to that stage where you start, you know, wanting to date girls and talk to girls, and it starts with the the uh, the thoughts of, okay, uh, I'm not good enough for her, or she's not going to like me. She's not going to like me, but uh, let's see. I, the mean girl. Yeah, I like the mean girl. So let me try her. So, yeah. So you get into a pattern, you kind of learn, like I said, I was very familiar with that energy, so I know how to work with it. It's still, like I said, you have to be aware of it, and it's really, it's really about uh, how does it feel to you internally. I think that's really a big thing, and I think it really, it really changed for me when I know I didn't want that feeling anymore. Was probably was probably a good four or five years after my divorce. You know, because even after I got divorced and started dating again, it, it was still a couple of uh, quote unquote mean girls that I, that I talked to or whatever. But it, eventually it's like, I don't want to feel like this. But that all also came through my own 
spiritual awakening and being more in tune with with my with my inner self and what my inner being is telling me and listening and trusting myself more you know just and that starts with something just as simple as does this feel good or does this not feel good so it was it was it was it's all a journey you know and that was my my turning point was like i said that that divorce when i had that mental break i mean so much turned around i didn't even realize how much it turned around but so much, so many of my views and so many of my beliefs and so many of my patterns had to change because I realized they were they weren't me. They were there were patterns I had developed for protection. There were patterns I had developed to somewhat fit in, you know, to, to at least fit into day-to-day society. You know, I still didn't have a huge group of friends or any of that, but I still learned how to function with, you know, day-to-day society. And everything was an adjustment. Everything was a, a, a shift. And then I started realizing that none of that was necessary. You know, I didn't need to be in survival mode all the time. You know, I didn't need to be the tough guy. I didn't need to be the the, the crazy guy. I didn't need to be the, the, you know, I didn't need to be that, that, that aggressive man. You know, I don't, I didn't need to be that. So that, that kind of changed for me too. You just have to be the authentic you. Yes, yes. And on that note, what do you see authenticity as? How do you believe someone can embody authenticity? I think authenticity starts with, um, it starts from a a very simple place that a lot of us struggle with is is self-love. If you love yourself, everything is authentic from that point on, on out. But loving yourself is some is the biggest challenge we as as people have, especially people who have been through abuse and trauma or you know are dealing with different situations that they've been through in life. That's the hardest thing for for us to do is to love ourselves because in a lot of cases it's been it's been yelled out of us, it's been screamed out of us, it's been beaten out of us, you know it's been. You know, at an early age, it was taken out of us because that's how they controlled us. If we don't love ourselves, then anything they do to us is okay, and and that's what they function off of. So once you come from that that history or that background of that environment, the toughest thing is loving yourself. And when you start loving yourself, like honestly and truly, bits and pieces of your authenticity will come out. You you won't have a choice because you'll love yourself too much to be anything else but that person you love. Absolutely love that. <laughs> Darling, I would stay here with you for a while longer, for sure. Yeah. I absolutely love our time together, but I want to yes. be mindful of your time, my time, and my listeners' time. Yes. Um, shall anyone resonate with your story and uh, what you stand for? Where do they get? to get in touch with you. Quickly just let us know about it and how would you like to support them on their path? Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, As I stated in the beginning, I am a uh, certified Insight Life Coach. I'm also a certified Reiki practitioner. And I would tell anybody who um, is interested in my my coaching, I do offer a a, um, initial gifted conversation 
to to everyone. So just feel free to reach out to me and you can reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Delton Cooper. Um, or you can look at my, my other page, which is uh, called Spiritual OG. Uh, you can reach me through that, or you can also email me as well, uh, which is big big sage b i g s a g e k c at gmail dot com. But I would recommend sending me a uh, a message through uh, Facebook Messenger, or just send me a friend request and let me know she, that where where we met it, and then we can go from there and we'll set up that that consultation. And I'll be glad to speak with anybody anybody that just needs to talk anybody needs to talk about their their past traumas or their past struggles or their current struggles their 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 their, their current issues and i think uh and i, I just want to say i just want to put this out there too is that a lot of men and women from my generation the generation x we were raised to not reach out to handle everything internally to be tough to be strong and I'm going to say just from growing up in that environment, that generation, that's wrong. That is totally wrong. Reach out. If it's not me, reach out to a friend, family, reach out to somebody and just let them know you're having a bad day. You're having a bad time. Something as simple as that. Don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, there's people out there that you don't even know that care and love about you, that love you and, and care about you in, in ways that you would never even imagine. And that's what I had to find out through my own personal journey is that, Strangers sometimes can care more about you than the people you know. So reach out. Thank you. The links are going to be in the episode description so you can connect with Belton through those. Now, at the end of the episode, I always have three lightning questions. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. 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 First one. Okay. What do you stand for? I stand for, I think I stand for justice, you know, not in the, you know, police cop sort of way justice. I mean, justice as in everyone deserves to be treated with respect. Everybody deserves to be uh, appreciated. And no one needs to be looked down on or or, or treat, mistreated because of any of their conditions or anything that happened in their life. Uh, and I've always been, you know, and, and that was my motto in school. It's like I bullied the bullies because I hated seeing weaker people get picked on. That just bothers me. And I stand for justice. Not right. Just leave. Just not right. Hopefully. What is the top activity that gets you increase slash raise slash upgrade your vibration when you're Low. When I'm low, what I do is I, uh, I listen to some motivational speakers. I listen to uh, Abraham Hicks, and I also listen to uh, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn. That's 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 uh, that's my guy because he gets me laughing. I mean, he's he's hilarious. So he he kind of puts me in a better mood listening to some of his stuff. So. I myself. <laughs> oh my gosh, now you actually inspired me to go in the an Abraham Hicks uh, book. Yeah, I prefer to read. But yes, 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 and yes again. And actually, from this, what's your favorite book that you would recommend to your clients? Actually, I think the best book I would recommend to my clients would be there's two. Can I say two? 
Go up. <laughs> okay. The first one I would say read uh, to book by Robert Green called The 48 Laws of Power. Now, I want you to hear me out. A lot of people say that this book is about manipulation and about uh, power struggle and how to kind of finesse your way into power. But if you read it from the, this, the standpoint of realizing that this is human nature on how humans interact with each other, it's such a different a, a viewpoint on that book because it shows you different human interactions and how we as people function in society. It, it's, it's a, it's an amazing book. And the second one is uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. That's a classic. I've yes. read it a few times. I actually yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. We, we need a book club. I see that now. We need a book club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I, I had my own and I want to create my own and still that's the first book I want to start with every yes. single time. It's a classic. Indeed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, well done. This episode is coming to an end. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Diana. So I appreciate it. Very much for being here. Yes. Honestly. And thank, thank you for having me. I mean, I, I am truly honored. I mean, I, I truly appreciate this. I really, really do as I appreciate you, your time, and the space that we have created together here as a ripple maker for others. Yes, and I hope this is not the last time. A hundred percent ain't. I'm certain of that. <laughs> I, I got to start using that one. That. I'm, I'm going to start using that one. A hundred percent ain't. I'm going to start using it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gather. Thank you, everyone. Thank listening. you. Until the next episode is coming up. Do not dim your light to make others feel safe. Shine your light unapologetically and experience powerful transformation through healing, growth and expansion.